Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, uh, I decided to, um, we kind of summarized the Christmas story. How many have liked Gary Davidson, by the way? He was phenomenal. Yeah, I watched this stream. If you, the, the pastor last week, um, great, great man of God, uh, one of my heroes. But um, uh, so we're continuing this series on Luke. I kind of skimmed through the Christmas story, so you'll have to forgive me. We'll probably go back to that around December. Um, just bear with me. But um, <laughs> Luke chapter 3, we're going to continue on. Um, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Itura, and uh, Trachotis, which sounds like a disease, and uh, Lioness, Tetrarch of Abilene. Is that Texas? I think that's in Texas, Abilene, Texas. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Okay, so we've got John the Baptist here. The word of God comes to John, the son of Zechariah. Zechariah being the guy that couldn't speak for nine months because he doubted Gabriel, the, the archangel. Uh, we, we remember this. We, we've read this a couple weeks ago. Um, but, but John, he begins proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as he went into all the region around the Jordan. So John the Baptist, he's the baby that leapt in the womb uh, uh, when Jesus came into his presence. He's the one that Jesus calls the greatest man ever born. John the Baptist, what happens is he receives a word from God and then he goes and he proclaims that word from God. Throughout our series on Luke so far, uh, I believe I entitled one of the message, Receiving from the Lord and Giving from the Lord. Um, that's what John the Baptist is doing. He receives the word from God in the wilderness, and then he begins proclaiming that word to the people around him. That's the pattern of the story found in Luke so far, is receiving a word from God and proclaiming it. Can I tell you, if you receive a word from God, you have the responsibility to proclaim it. Um, each of you, how many of you own a Bible or a, a smartphone <laughs> with a Bible app uh, capability? It's free. You could download it right now. So everybody has access to the Word of God. Everyone in the room has access to the Bible. What are you doing with that, uh, that Word from the Lord? Who are you sharing that with? What are you doing with it? Because you have a responsibility. I think it's the uh, Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. That word of God is powerful. It's powerful. Um, and, and we have a responsibility then to, to share the word of God. So what was John's word? What did he receive? He, he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So what is this message doing? Um, it was preparing the way we see this, and it's actually prophesied about in the book of Isaiah, we'll see in, in uh, verse 4. As it was written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and then the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So in order for people, don't miss this, in order for people to receive the salvation of Jesus as their Savior, they needed to understand one thing. 
that they needed a Savior. They needed to understand that they needed saving. There are many people today, maybe even in this room, that simply aren't aware that they need saving. When we say, we have a Savior, Jesus wants to save you, they say, save from what? And John, his whole message was, was crying out this message of something called repentance. It was saying, you need to repent. You need to turn from the error of your ways. There's many people today say, I'll, I'll probably go to heaven. You know, I've, I've done more good than bad. My, my good works, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. Or, or my grandma went to church. She's a Christian. So I'm, I'm a Christian, right? Um, so I'll probably go to heaven. And, and there's a lot of misconception out in the world that uh, we have to understand is wrong. And so maybe you have that way of thinking. You, you don't think you need saved from anything. And that was John's audience. Let's look at it, at what he tells them in verse 7. He said, therefore, to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, if I did this, I don't know if we would have any uh, people come to church. You brood of vipers. That's a, yeah, that'll get people to come. <clears throat> you snakes. All right. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the lay to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So today I want to speak to you about this idea of the importance of a repentant heart. The importance of a repentant heart. My first point, I know I've been talking for a long time, but this is my first point. Uh, The heart, um, the the. Repentant heart produces the desire to honor God and escape hell. It, it does. If you have a repentant heart, then you have this desire to do what is right before God and, and to escape his wrath, to escape his judgment, to escape hell. Hell is something that we don't talk about much these days for whatever reason, um, that's one of the reasons I decided and I've committed to just preaching through the Bible because it comes up quite a bit in the Bible if you just read the Bible. And so as we'll, um, so I'm just preaching through and we'll preach what comes up. Uh, somebody asked me when I was preaching about tithing and I was like, well, it's in there somewhere. So eventually we'll get to it, you know. Um, they're like, you don't just preach it when you're out of money. It's like, no, I just preach the Bible, you know. And uh, God provides and, and, uh, and yes, you need to tithe and give. See, see what I did there? Okay, um, we're, we're good. Okay. Um, Forgive me. The desire to honor God and escape hell. Let's look at verse 10. And the crowds ask him, light show. Listen up. I don't know. Start preaching about hell and the lights start flickering. You guys better pay attention. (laughs) Better be praying hard. Okay. And the crowds ask him, what then shall we do? So John the Baptist says, repent and be baptized. Repent, and you need repentance. You're, you're a brood of vipers, and rather than being offended, rather than being defensive, they say, what shall we do? Is that our heart? When God convicts you, do you get defensive? When your spouse corrects you, do you get defensive, or do you have the ears to hear what they're saying? 
When your brother or your sister in Christ, they point out something that you need to correct in your life, do you have the, the humility and the, the uh, courage to say, okay, you're right, I'm sorry, I, I need to do better? Do you have this heart that says, what shall we do? Because John spoke the truth to them, and, and it woke them up to reality that they were not in right standing with God. Can I tell you that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are not in right standing with God? Have you had a moment in your life where you realized you don't have a relationship with God? Have you had a moment where you've cried out, God, what do I need to do to be made right with you? Because if you haven't, you're in danger You need to wake up this morning. And I'm saying this with love. But if you haven't had a moment where you've cried out and said, God, I I need you. what, What do I need to do? I'll do whatever you call me to do. Have you had a moment like that? For the for the Christians in the room, have you communicated this truth? Are you sharing this truth in such a way that helps people in your life ask you that question? Okay, well, what do I need to do? You're right. What do I need to do? Have you, have you had a moment where you've shared the gospel with someone and they've responded with, you're right, what do I need to do? There were several on the team that went with us to Mexico that shared that um, through a translator in Spanish, um, which most of them don't speak, and yet they had opportunities. We had moments of salvation on this trip where people decided, you're right, I need to be made right with God. And by what you're saying, I have the opportunity to do so. So what do I need to do? And can I tell you that if we can do that in Mexico, you can do that with your family, with your friends. You can share Jesus with those around you. The scariest thing to me is an unrepentant heart. It's, it's this... Uh, a person that is unwilling to change, unwilling to submit to God's will and to honor him. And Jesus says um, in, uh, or, or James, it's James chapter uh, 4, I believe. I don't have it on the screen, but, but whoever knows what is right and refuses to do it or fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so for some of you, you know that you need to be sharing the gospel um, 417, I believe. But uh, for those of you uh, who know, I need to be sharing the gospel with this person. I know they need Jesus. And you're failing to do it. Uh, I'm talking to the Christians in the room with unrepentant hearts. Uh, because that's, that's sin. You're, you're, you're not doing what God has asked you to do to make disciples of all nations, to share the gospel with the world. That's what we're called to do. He didn't call just pastors to do that or missionaries to do that. He called disciples of Jesus. He called Christians to share the gospel. And if you know that, and now you do, because you've been, you, if you're listening, if you're not on Facebook, uh, you know that, that you have that responsibility. And so you don't, don't have an unrepentant heart. You, I urge you that, that if, if you know both sides, if you know of something in your life that isn't right, the first step is to ask God, okay, what do I need to do? I need to be made right with you. What do I need to do? What do you want me to change? Because without that heart, there's, there's no hope. We have to have the desire to be made right with God. John says in verse 11, 
Now he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teachers, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you should be authorized to do. And soldiers also asked him, And what we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. Be generous. Don't steal. Don't, uh, don't be greedy. All of these things uh, have to do with with our, our money, with our finances, with our possessions. And I believe it's because Jesus says this, where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. It's, oftentimes we think that's the other way around. We think what we care about, that's what we'll give to. But it's really what we invest in is where our heart is drawn to. And so when you give to missions and when you give to the church, and then you start caring more about the church. You, your heart uh, follows the, your treasure oftentimes. And, and Jesus says, where your treasure is there, your heart shall be also. And there's something about what you spend your money on that reveals the posture of your heart. If you were to look at your, uh, your checkbook, which don't exist anymore, but if you were to look at your online bank statement, um, uh, you, you see the transactions and you start seeing what you care about and what you're investing in and what's important to you. Do you use your resources to help others? Or do you exploit people for your own gain? What, what is it about your heart that God is trying to point out to you this morning. Because John the Baptist starts focusing on, on money because he knows in this case, in Luke at least, it's recorded, this group of people needs to deal with this and this group of people needs to deal with this and this group of people needs to deal with this. And I've been wondering what John the Baptist might say to us in 2023 if we ask John the Baptist, what shall we do? What, what would he say to us? Would it be about our money? how we choose to spend our time, what we're watching, complacency. I think it would be about complacency for sure, I think, especially after this week, after the ministry, um, working alongside this church and seeing all that they're doing. I didn't realize the level of complacency that's in my life. And I feel like I'm leading with zeal. I feel like we're, you know, the best is yet to come and I'm, I feel like I'm doing good until I see what's possible. And I, I want us to all to see what's possible. And I, I believe that complacency might be an issue for me. What, what would John the Baptist call you to repent of if you ask him, what shall we do? What do you think he would call you to repent of? What would God, what would God call you to repent of? The next point a repentant heart produces an understanding that you need Jesus. We see in verse 15, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you in water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." The reality is, is when you are 
awakened to everything that you need to repent of, it can be overwhelming. Some of you are overwhelmed this morning as I'm questioning what should you repent of. You, you start making a list and it, you run out of paper pretty quick, or at least that's the way I am uh, when I start making a list of, of how I, I realize how imperfect I am. I realize that I need a Savior, that I need Jesus. You need a Savior. You need Jesus. You need a Messiah. You're never going to be able to overcome everything on your own. John the Baptist is, is preparing the way for Jesus to come by declaring that we need to repent. He's making us aware that we are sinners, that we are in need of a Savior. Because if our eyes aren't, if we don't have a repentant heart, then there's no reason to accept a Savior. We, won't, we don't know what we need to repent of. But John the Baptist, his whole role is to prepare a way so that, so that they're aware, their eyes are open, and they're saying, man, I, I need a Savior. I can't overcome all this on my own. And then Jesus comes, and he dies for our sins, and he raises from the dead. And when that happens, the people in that room, the people in that space, the people that are aware of that say, oh, that's the way to heaven, through Jesus. And, and I I need to go through him. Uh, the way I learned it in Sunday school, remember Sunday school? That was kind of fun. I want to start that again. Um, Sunday school, I think, though, I think what I'm going to do is we'll have like six-week courses on like Fruits of the Spirit at 9 a.m. in the chapel. Anybody open for that? Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, we've got two in the room. All right. Um, so I'm just trying to find a teacher right now, but uh, we'll, we'll do things like that, and we'll, we won't call it Sunday school, so no one will know, and people will come, but uh, that's the plan. <laughs> That's the plan. Uh, but in Sunday school, um, uh, I learned the ABCs of salvation. Anybody remember this from their days? Yeah, so admit that you are a sinner. Uh, that's the first, that's A, admit that you are a sinner. That was John the Baptist's role, is to, to make people aware that they have sin in their lives and they are unable to overcome the sin in their life on their own. Next is to believe that Jesus died. B, believe that Jesus died for your sins, was raised to life and made a way to, um, for you to, to experience heaven and, and to um, uh, made a way for you to, to go to heaven and be with God. And then C is to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so... Those are the ABCs. If you want to be saved this morning, first you need to admit that you're a sinner. Uh, God, I can't do this on my own. You need to believe that Jesus uh, died and, and rose from the grave, that, that God raised him from the, from, the, uh, from the grave. And then you need to confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is your Savior. And if you do those things, then, then you're saved. But, but this repentant heart, it all starts with a repentant heart, and it produces that understanding that you need Jesus. And then next, in, in verse 16, we see that a repentant heart creates a hunger to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says, John, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am unworthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John, John the Baptist, the greatest man born of a woman, says, I, I can't help you. I'm just preparing the way. I, I am not worthy to untie Jesus' shoe. 
However, he can come and he can give you all that you need and he can fill you with the Holy Spirit and he can baptize you not with water, but with Holy Spirit. And if you, uh, uh, if you pr- uh, repent of your sins and you are made aware that Jesus is your Savior and you declare him as the Lord of your life, then he can baptize you not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we see the tongues of fire accompany the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And there's other uh, uh, instances of, um, I, I, I'm thinking of like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Azusa Street Revival, and, and there's different things where it's recorded in newspapers that people called the fire department because they thought the church was on fire because of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they, they saw flames. And so there's fire trucks showing up, trying to put a fire out that's not there. It's just the Spirit of God. And, and so I'm telling you that, it, that it's real, that it's not just relegated to the past. It's not just in Acts 2, but, but God wants to pour out His Holy Spirit in such a way in this place at Life Fellowship that we are changed, that we are empowered, that we are moved, and, and there should be a hunger that rises up in you that says, I want what God has for me. I have a repentant heart. I know that I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus as my Savior, and I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I need to be baptized and filled and empowered and strengthened because the Holy Spirit is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit gives us words to say to people when we don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit works through us to do miracles. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. The Holy Spirit is, is what empowers us to do the, the, fulfill the Great Commission and to go out and make disciples of all nations. And so there's this hunger that develops within us who have a repentant heart. And the, John the Baptist is preparing the way for us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and it, it, it's available to us. These people had to wait for a few years um, uh, as Jesus fulfilled the ministry on earth and, and as he died, and, and they waited on the Holy Spirit, but it's still available to us today here um, 2,000 years later. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I would encourage you to, to come down front at the end of service because I believe that Jesus wants to baptize you today. Finally, I, I do want to mention this. Uh, this is not a popular message. <laughs> in, in Luke uh, chapter 3, verse 18, this is what happened to John the Baptist. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, um, who had been reproved for, by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. So not only was John preaching about giving, and uh, he, he was preaching about divorce and sexual immorality. He was publicly calling out the king for marrying his brother's wife and for all the other sins that he had done. And rather than receiving the truth from John the Baptist, Herod locked him up in prison. Can I tell you that we are susceptible to the same response? That you can either receive what I'm saying today, that you need to repent of your sins, that you need to be made right with God, that you need to ask God for forgiveness, that you need to come before Him, and He has made a way for you to enter into eternal life, that He's made a way for you to to experience His goodness, um, that He has a plan for your life. You can receive that, or you can box it away, you can put it in a prison and you can set it on a shelf, 
and you can ignore me, and you can never come back here again, and you can never listen to this, uh, this truth again. Uh, you have the same opportunity that the king had. He could either, and, and rather than be receptive and say, you're right, God, I, 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 I need you, uh, I, I need to, to receive from you, and, and I need to repent of these, these things in my life, uh, what he did instead was he was resentful and defensive, and he just locked him away. You can repent, or you can box up this message and tune it out, but the truth is still the truth, and God wants you to repent. He wants me to repent, whether you're a Christian or not, and if you are a Christian, um, the repentance is is, is simply for you. All of your sins died. Uh, All of your sins were covered by the grace of God, um, on the cross. But there's still a need to be made right with God. There's a distance that you create when you're living a life of sin. If you're a Christian and you're still struggling with some addictions or you're still struggling with some, some things in your life, it can, it can create some experience issues with all that God has for you. You're not experiencing all that God has for you. And if you're not a Christian, you haven't done this, you haven't uh, repented of your sins, those sins have condemned you, and, and you are in danger of, of hell. You're, you're in danger of, of, of spending eternity away from God. Until you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're in need of repenting. So the call to action this morning is the same as John the Baptist. It's this, it's to repent, to look to Jesus, and to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the empowerment of your life.